Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we are here with Eric Huberman. This has been an interview I've been looking forward to because Eric's team actually sent me his bio and everything. I remember looking at this and going, man, this guy has like done everything that not only I, but any marketing agency owner wants to accomplish. So I'm stoked to share him with you. Um, all of you have probably heard of him. This guy has been in on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, Inc. top 25 marketing influencers. They've done multiple 10 figures, excuse me, multiple <laughs> 10 figures. That'd be cool, right? Multiple yeah. eight figures um, in sales of their company heading to 10 figures. These guys have done some pretty incredible things. And Eric is here to share his book with us, The Hawk Method. Before we kind of hop into this, Eric, first off, say what's up to everybody and we'll, we'll get going. Yeah, no, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. It's good to have you here, man. I am excited, particularly for this because you're literally that guy who's like, a few steps ahead of where we're at. And like, you've done it in a lot of ways that we would like to accomplish. And in the pre-interview, hopefully everybody will, will kind of get this through the uh, the interview here. But I mean, you've built it in such a, a smart way in almost what I would call like an MBA way. Like it was bootstrapped very efficiently. You were able to grow through acquisitions, scale out a sales team, like do all the things that everybody's like, oh, I wish I could do just one of those things, right? <laughs> so I'd love to kind of tear that apart today and then talk through obviously the Hawk method and, and what that's all about. So sure. first off, give us kind of a, that epiphany moment for yourself when you realized that marketing was your jam. Ooh. So I don't know if I knew a marketing, I knew sales, which I would say like sales is like the one-on-one -on -one version of marketing in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I knew I went and worked for Cutco, the knife company and broke all their records their, the first summer that I worked for them and just accelerated it. And uh, I remember my dad's business partner saying like, yeah, this kid can sell ice to Eskimos, which was like the first time I heard that line. And I like, and so when you first hear that now, it's like, it's kind of just a cliche, but when you hear that the first time you really imagine selling ice to Eskimos and I was like, well, that's flattering, but okay. So I have a knack for the sales thing. And then I just understood it was all understanding psychology and what made people tick. And that really does lend itself to marketing. But at that stage, I was in college and I used to make fun of marketing majors. So like the idea of like marketing being a thing wasn't, I never, I didn't have like this dream of being a marketer. It's when I came out, started, I went into real estate that failed. I started a week before the entire banking industry collapsed oh, and then started an e-commerce brand. And three brands later, I realized like the hard part was always marketing. So even from the beginning, I realized like operationally, I never had a problem because it was all logical solutions. Like, how do you make a t-shirt? How do you make activewear? How do you service this, you know, thing that we're talking about? Like it all seemed very rational at how to accomplish the operational side. Whereas marketing and sales was always this proactive side that you had to just kind of figure it out. And so I focused on that because I found it to be harder, frankly. And then I feel like developed a knack for it. Right. Well, and, and then that kind of answers the question, like, why not? stay in e-commerce or why not grow something else? Because you know, a lot of a lot of people look at the e-commerce realm or the physical product space and they, they're looking at the volume. They're like, oh, I could be, I have I could have generated a million dollars in the first couple, you know, minutes. But then when you have a two percent margin, you know, life gets pretty difficult, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I just, you know, it's I I found it I had a superpower and found a compliment of something I'm passionate about, enjoy doing and I'm really good at. And so went for it. And so that that's hard to identify, especially I started Hawk, like I started working on Hawk when I was 26 years old. It is rare that in your 20s you can find something that you have a, a natural ability for as well as a passion for. And so I thankfully doubled down. Yeah. That's brilliant. And and this is eight years ago. Yeah. You guys are eight years yeah. old this year. Yeah. So I'm trying to do my math. So it's like 2010 ish. Uh, no, no, no. no uh, we're about 22. So it's 2014, very beginning. Yeah. 
man, I'm so bad at math sometimes. I have a, I don't remember what year it is though. I think that, that's also the COVID, truth. You know. yeah. <laughs> in my defense, I have a degree in finance, which just makes you stupid with numbers. So yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I love that. And, and so I did kind of want to understand this side of things, right? Because you did bootstrap it. Mm-hmm. Did you do any of the marketing yourself? For Hawk? Yeah. Oh, all of it for a long time. We didn't have, I, I remember I tried to hire a marketing lead and now we have a head of marketing. It was great. But when I hired the first one, I think we were three or four years in and he failed miserably. And I remember someone saying to me a line, like, why are you going to buy a dog if you're the one that barks on the corner? <laughs> and I'm like, that is the weirdest metaphor, but I get it. Like I was always pushing and marketing and selling Hawk. I was the main salesperson for three and a half years. And then, but I was always driving marketing. And still to this day, I still drive a lot of the marketing. That doesn't mean we don't have great talent there, but I'm still, I'd say I'm not heading marketing because I'm not there day to day, but I'm marketing advising. I'm coming in with bigger initiatives and campaigns and finding ways to grow. Yeah. Well, I have seen this too, you know, being in marketing myself, it's, it's the best sales guys make the best marketers typically. And, and a lot of people will argue that, but I, I do think that a good salesperson who understands empathy and, and human nature does, does tend to understand that, oh, Hey, it's just, instead of a one-to-one conversation, it's a one-to-many conversation. Yeah, so, exactly. Let's connect on a bigger level. So yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And for those of you listening, I mean, this is a guy who now has 300 employees, right? So he started out doing it himself growing to a point that he has, has 300 employees. So now, I mean, your life just consists of putting out fires and hiring and firing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In some senses, um, a lot of stress, I'd say that's a small portion. Thankfully I have a lot of executives that help put out the fires and hire and fire, but uh, I'd say it's about a third strategic with those people, a third promotional beating the drum, waving the flag, speaking at events, putting out a book, things like that. And a third growth, whether it's M&A or finding other growth channels and ways to expand. Yeah. Well, and and so I do look at that M&A for those of you who don't know, which I would hope you would know is mergers and acquisitions. So I, I do want to ask you this because you've done mergers, because you've hired sales teams, because you've done all that, you know, most of the people listening to this are at that 500,000 to a million dollar point. Yep. Of all of those different things you've done successfully, what would you say is the number one most important thing that they should start with when they're at that point, 500,000 to a million in sales? So I know my answer is really going to piss off the audience, but uh, <laughs> be good at marketing. <laughs> um, I mean, just to be honest, it's something that's come up a lot more recently because I get reached out to by a lot of smaller agencies that are like, hey, what's the secret to growth? And it's like, I look at what they're doing and I'm like, well, number one, you got to actually provide a good service because, and, and it's not just about like, well, yeah, no shit, like that's a given, but you would be surprised the vast majority of agencies, their problem isn't acqu- acquiring new customers, it's churn, it's losing customers. And so I don't just mean being good at marketing. I, I also, also communication is critical, like communicating with your clients, taking care of them, making them feel taken care of, understanding on top of the industry so that you can actually service them well. If you can do that, the other stuff starts to become easy. And it's the same thing, frankly, for our clients when they're saying like, well, what can we do to grow our business? We'll have a good product or service and marketing is easy. And so that's, that's critical. And then assuming that's table stakes, which I can say 99% of the time it is not, (laughs) that will usually be, that'll usually be the thing that keeps you below a million bucks is bad marketing. Honestly, when through M&A, we've looked at hundreds of companies, hundreds of agencies and what they're doing, and that's pretty consistent. And then you can get kind of between, you can get up to, I mean, it depends on the founder, but I've seen agencies anywhere between like two and 8 million in revenue where the uh, founder is still driving all the sales or most of them. right? And so at some fi- uh, point to get past that, 
you've got to learn how to scale sales and step out of it as the founder. And that's something that's kind of the next phase is like really figuring out how to build that sales team that can take it. And so, and, you know, we drove our business mostly on word of mouth and partnerships for, uh, I mean, we didn't have an outbound sales team till year six. Up until then, it was all inbound marketing and brand marketing and a lot of referrals and a lot of word of mouth. And just to be give context, year six, we did, what did we do? 20 million in revenue? Yeah, 20 million in revenue. So yeah, and that, that's what's really interesting is that's kind of that controversial point, right? Because everybody's like right now, especially because, you know, we're, we're sitting at that mark too. You're not 20 million, I wish, but you know, we're at that seven figure mark and we, and we see a lot of people everybody's promoting to us, Hey, you need to be hiring, um, appointment setters. You need to have a sales team and everything. And I remember just going, but I can close the deal. What would I need a sales guy for? You know, like I, if I'm taking five, six calls a day, it's barely even scraping my day, you know? (laughs) Well, that's, that's the thing is you gotta, it's, I think every agency is different. You have to look at where are you, you you just have to look at your own agency and where are you missing? Are you, as you just said, so you, you have enough time to answer more sales calls. So then find a way to generate more sales calls. Like whether that's inbound, outbound, different companies will cap out at different amounts. We were also fortunate enough. Like I had a good reputation in LA of building and selling two e-commerce brands. And then, and I had a network that really drove us. And then once I started getting those, I was so proactive about PR and getting our name out there and being at every event and meeting everyone and constantly being on the road. I worked nonstop and had a great partner that also helped fulfill that work. So all I had to do was growth, focus on growth. And so that combination allowed us to do that without having to really, I want to say artificially, because it's not artificial, but without having to bring on like other tools to do that, I could drive our growth because I had the people to back me up on everything else. Right. So yeah, that was a very tactful answer. I hope people are listening to that because I mean, there's just, there's so much value in, in, um, scaling correctly. And, and like you said, I mean, you, you kind of just briefly touched on it, but it sounds like you really knew your customer's problem and you knew you could fulfill on it. And, and I would agree with you where you say most of the, I would say 90% of entrepreneurs don't, or, or agencies, excuse me, they don't have really a proven offer. And I know for us, like my, my first business was, was around Facebook ads and, and generating leads for people. But to be completely honest, I wasn't great at it. Mm-hmm. And we did like biz op type stuff for years. And then I finally started asking myself, I'm like, why is it that all my customers ever care about is how much money I'm generating them, you know? Yeah. And there's other problems that can be solved that don't require, you know, a dollar value tied to them. So I, I love that, you know, you guys have, have really kind of figured that out and you've, you've actually maximized on being the people who can provide that dollar. Cause that's a huge it's a very important skill that most people, most agencies can't do. Yeah, and if there's a, there's a uh, kind of fact of life that if you're not, if your clients aren't winning by hiring you, maybe you shouldn't be selling them. Like that's that's a big part of my belief and why I started the agency because I went through a bunch of agencies that didn't know what they were doing and thankfully again had a knack for it, had been successful in it, and went, "This is ridiculous. I'm just going to hire my own little team. I can manage and monitor." And that's literally what gave birth to Hawk. I never wanted to build an agency. I was ready to build my next e-com company. And just the agency partners I had weren't delivering. So I just built my own little team and honestly still never planned on building an agency after hiring that team. But then it took off so fast because that need that I found was so much kind of more dire than I expected that it just skyrocketed. Well, and, and I think you've, I mean, you've got proof in the pudding, obviously with how much revenue you guys are generating, but it's so, it's so hard to find an agency, especially when it comes to revenue generating marketing, who can actually prove their results, you know, and can guarantee a certain amount, you know, and, and really, I mean, a great offer is when 
I know, hey, if I hire you, I'm going to make way more than just pay you off, right? So yeah. I do find that a lot of agencies, that's what we get sucked into is that, well, as long as it's covering for my fee and it's like, well, that's that's a horrible result for your client because <laughs> they're wasting all this time and barely paying you off. So There's an opportunity cost is the problem. They, if they were going with someone better, they would be doing better, which means they would be making more money if it wasn't for you. That's not good. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to ask you this, and this is a little bit kind of like a, a poking question here. I'm just kind of sure. curious what your what your offer is like what that differentiator is for you guys that that you can guarantee to people yeah it, i mean first off no guarantees like it's on them like it's a partnership so like we we make we're pretty adamant about like if we're not going to be the gatekeeper up front to try to determine whether we think your product or service is good we're going to go and give it a shot but uh the the offering is just we're so our mission statement's accessibility to great marketing for everyone the idea is we want to be super accessible nimble flexible easy to work with but the best at what we do and what i found was 99% of agencies are not the best at what we do. They do. And so that was a big driver to creating this. And the few that are the best are really hard to work with. Long contracts, high minimums, you know, just all sorts of barriers to entry that make them hard. And so I wanted something that was again nimble, flexible, easy, no barrier to entry, but also really good. And that I didn't find existed. And to this day, I think we were one of the only ones still that exists that'll work with small and medium businesses, but have the credibility and the size and the, you know, sort of horsepower that we do. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That's a cool differentiator. You know, I, I, I am kind of curious, like, how do you guys um, get away from the like Walmart, you know, concept, if that makes sense of like being the cheapest on the market? Yeah. Like, we don't try to be the cheapest. We just are disappointed about our own margins. That's it. It's like, or, it. you know, if someone tells me, oh, we found someone cheaper. I'm like, I bet you I can find someone to manage your Facebook ads for 50 bucks a month out of India. Like I'm right. not here to compete with that. That's, we're not a commodity but we are cost effective. And that's the point is like, because we're disciplined about our margins and how we pay people and how we do everything, we're really, again, the words disciplined, not cheap. Then we're able to be accessible because we're not maximizing our revenue on companies, but we're also not minimizing it. We're just right. straightforward about it. Yeah. That love that answer. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that sometime. Um, Love that. So I, I do want to ask you this though, because so the Hawk method, the book that you wrote is really all about you guys, your story and, and your, your methodology. Correct. Yeah. yeah it's mo Yeah. I mean, it tells our little story. It's really more focused on the methodology and how we look at marketing. So, so we've grown 3,500 brands at this point successfully. And so the idea is we, we really came up with this, these three principles of marketing, awareness, nurturing, and trust, and how they play together to really be like sort of the tripod of marketing where you need all three that's where we focus. And so from a sort of bird's eye view, that's how we look at new brands that are coming in and identify where their holes are. That's how we look at our ongoing clients to figure out where we need to double down. And we tried to give that framework so that whether it's CMOs, CEOs, founders, marketing students, marketing employees, et cetera, can look at a marketing strategy and quickly identify, oh, they're missing this. We should double down here or, oh, this is what's broken, et cetera. And so that's the framework that we call the Hawk method. That's fantastic. And what were the three again? Awareness, which is basically how, introducing your product or service to a new audience. Uh, nurturing what you do from when they become aware you exist, when they actually buy, and then post-purchase as well to create lifetime value. And then trust, also known as brand, what you did build that trust and consistency with your audience. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, it comes down to to that community aspect, really. I mean, that's what you're talking about is like building a, that, that audience of raving fans. And I do look at that and I go... Okay, but is timing a factor? You know, because we look we look at marketing in a lot of ways, and we say, okay, um, 
like SEO, for example, I even struggle still hiring people for SEO because like, oh, it's a long-term play. And I'm like, well, you can't use that as an excuse for not performing, you know? Right. So what's, what's kind of your, your thought process on, on the timing? Yeah. So when you're talking about the timeline, because SEO takes longer, et cetera, I think it's a balance. I think it's some, you know, depending on the stage of the company, you have to be short-sighted sometimes like for survival stake. I remember a few years ago, my team, the, you, that culturally in my leadership team, all of a sudden everyone started talking about Q1 in like October. And I was like, I shut it down really quick. I was like, guys, we're out of business in Q1. We're bankrupt. So whatever the fuck you need to do, do it now. Like, <laughs> there's no Q1. It doesn't exist. So get it done. And I had to like kind of nip that in the bud. Um, but uh, I think that there are things you need to be doing also to create foundation that take longer. And SEO is a decent example of that from a marketing perspective, content creation, things that may not show immediate returns. Writing our book is a marketing uh, decision as well. Um, am I going to get the returns from the book by Q2 of next year? No, but long, long term, will it pay complete dividends, even though we are investing a lot because we really want this to be a big launch? Yeah, I, I am actually very confident that that will be a lucrative return for the company. Right. Well, and it's it's planting that seed, which I love. And you know, what's interesting is a lot of people, this is why I'm glad you guys are doing this way, is that a lot of people look at a book launch as it's just like another tool that they can put in their in their tool belt. But you're like, if you actually do it effectively, like you're trying to do here, you know, sell 20,000 copies, like that's that's a big number. But if you hit that number, you're already on that, you know, New York Times bestsellers list. You're doing a lot of great things. But on top of that, 10 years from now, people are going to look back and be like, that book was what? really kickstarted our success, you know? Yeah. And I, I, and I also feel that way about our success. Like, you know, there's a, obviously a whole, a lot of people that look at us as like, you've done it. You said at the beginning of this, like you've already done so much that a lot of agency owners dream of. And I'm looking at this, like, so we just got started. We have this platform to build off of, but my dream is this being hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. And so, you know, to me, it's like, we're in our nascent and it drives my leadership crazy because when they tell me things like, oh, you know, hey, it's really hard to keep up with hiring or, you know, we're having trouble scaling the sales team or whatever that not, might be of the day, so to speak. I, I, I'm always reactive with like, well, I mean, we're, we need to be, you know, a hundred times the size. So you better figure it out because we can't be, we, we haven't hit our limit yet. We're, we've got a hundred X to go. So we got to figure this problem out now because we have a, a lot more in front of us. Like I point at Deloitte or EY, which are hundreds of thousands of employees. I'm like, they're recruiting literally a hundred X what we are. So don't tell me that we can't accomplish this. Now we might need to change things, add things, whatever, but it's obviously, there's obviously a solution that's already been solved here. So let's just do it. And that's how I've driven this thing. Right. Well, and and it's so interesting to me. I mean, and I love that you're, you're looking at that, you know, I mean, guys, this is somebody who's doing 75 million a year. Right. And these guys are, you know, they're doing fantastic job and he's talking 100 X, you know, you know, I'm horrible at math. I already proved that earlier in the, in the Seven half billion. You're good. <laughs> but and we're actually, we're managing about, I think this year it'll be about 350 million. Oh, wow. Um, is where we're at. Um, yeah. And then net revenue is about 40. Jeez. Good, good golly. So, I mean, you look at that though, guys, and, and, and you look at that and you just say, you know, if, if he's thinking that far ahead and it's, it's always exciting for me to meet people like you Eric, who are trying to kind of prove it wrong. I mean, the, the three minute or the four, what do they call it? The four minute mile has been broken. People, yeah, right. I mean, exactly. there are now trillion dollar companies out there, you know, yeah. and, and the truth of the matter is, is that somebody is going to become a trillion dollar marketing business in the next 10 to 15 years. Yep. And if you look at it that way, it's like, yeah, there's some incumbents who are sitting there who they're la they're lazy, they're fat, they're yeah, DC backed, and they're not going to scale much further, you know? Yep. Yeah. I don't worry about the incumbents at all. 
Yeah. You guys have positioned yourself well. And I, I do think that we're going to see a huge spike, especially in, in marketing. I think COVID proved to, to especially small businesses that marketing yes. is absolutely crucial. So everybody, I, I hope that you got a lot of value out of the interview, a lot of really great um, steps, value value steps there for you guys. Um, and, and make sure you go buy the Hawk Method. So that's available anywhere you can buy a book. Just make sure that you guys go and get a copy of it by five, do something. We want to help support Eric get, um, get to where he's hitting that, that bestseller list. So I'm sure if you bought a hundred books, it probably catches attention. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> so if you buy any books, tweet at me, let me know. I'll, you'll catch my attention either way. <laughs> so make sure you guys go check that out. And then Eric, just to kind of wrap this interview up, can you give us one final parting piece of guidance for our audience? Yeah. Uh, as agency founders, just know that as the owner of a business, you're always going to be dealing with the hardest problems of the business. And as you scale, those just get harder. And when you accept that, when you understand that that's just part of it and what you signed up for and you take out kind of the victim mentality of like, oh, this is happening to me because you're going to be dealing with crap all the time and it's going to be unpredictable. You never know what's coming, but it's like, I get uneasy when things are good because I know it's just around the corner that something's going to go wrong. And you realize this when you look at Tim Cook or Jeff Bezos, like they're getting drilled by the government on why they should be, you know, why they're criminals and, you know, they're dealing with geopolitical problems and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, understand that the biggest companies in the world, you know, Elon Musk is having a Twitter war with a congresswoman, like, or Senator, excuse me, Elizabeth Warren, like you, it's never ending. And so once you understand that and accept it and understand that you chose to be an agency owner, that you could go get a job anytime, I will say that it's incredibly liberating. Cause then when those come up, you're like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what I signed up for. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons I had in running this and once I figure that out now, when things come up, it's just like, and here it is again. So what are we going to do about it? So you, that stress goes away, that anxiety goes away, and it's really nice. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you learned anything from this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with another entrepreneur who could help. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the flip side.